I'd like to read Isaiah chapter 11, um, verses 1 and 2. We've, we've talked about this a number of weeks, and our messages are on the internet on our website if you'd like to go back and listen to some previous messages about the subject matter that we're going to talk about this morning, but we're talking about the, the person of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of different people look at Father, you know, God the Father, and they can envision a, a, a Heavenly Father, and, and of course Jesus the Son, he came as a man and we can relate to people and this was intentional on God's uh, part to to come in in, in human flesh so we can relate uh, but the person of the Holy Spirit is is a little bit mysterious to some and some don't really have a good grasp on well who is this third person of the triune Godhead and so we've been looking at these couple of verses in Isaiah's uh, chapter 11 the first couple of verses it says, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that you have given us this morning. We thank you for a solid foundation that we can that we can anchor our lives on. We thank you for the promises of your word, Lord, even as we just saying we can stand faultless before the throne. The implications of that are huge. And, and so, Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive from you, and I ask that you would put thoughts in my mind that need to be there that need to be communicated from your very throne room of grace. And so, Lord, we, we ask that you would prepare our hearts to receive we know that you can do that. We know that's your desire. And so we thank you in advance in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to expound just briefly this morning, and then we're going to observe communion this morning, but expound on this, these attributes, these descriptions of the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of, of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. These are the last two phrases out of the seven that are listed in these couple verses. And and so we're going to talk about knowledge this morning a little bit. Just, you know, knowledge is something that we might take for granted and we say, well, what's knowledge? Well, knowledge, there's a couple different types of knowledge. There's natural human knowledge. Uh, God made us as human beings with brains and we can learn and we have knowledge. And we can increase in knowledge. We can increase in knowledge by studying, by observing, by going to school, by different experiences, by being mentored. Uh, God gave us the capacity to, to learn and to, and to grow in our knowledge. And, and knowledge is increasing, is it not? The Word of God says in, in the book of Daniel, uh, the 12th chapter, that in the, at the end of the time, it's, uh, he, he said that, that many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. That's the Word of the Lord, speaking, spoken 24. 2,500 years ago. So knowledge will increase. Is knowledge increasing in our, in our day and age? Absolutely. I mean, look at technology. I mean, technology has kind of been, been going up and all of a sudden in the last 20, 30, 40 years, it's just shooting up. It's skyrocketing. I mean, we could do more on our, on our cell phones than they could do on, on these massive computers that would take up rooms and rooms and rooms. And, and so we look at technology, we look at mathematics, we look at science, we look at biology, and and we look at chemistry, and there's so many different areas of study that we can grow in our human natural knowledge. 
And of course, we have to be careful that that natural knowledge doesn't begin to puff us up and we start to think we're smarter than others. And, and, and the Word of God does say that, that knowledge uh, puffs up, but love builds up. And so we have to be careful that we don't allow this human natural knowledge of ours to develop into pride. And um, so we have this human natural knowledge. Um, the second form of knowledge is knowledge that is received from ungodly spirits. Ungodly spirits. You know, there's a spirit realm in, in, involved with, in our world, and there's, there's things that we don't see but are very real. And the scriptures talk about these things quite a bit, and, and there's many spirits, there's, there's spirit beings that can transfer knowledge to people. Now, you might think, well, Pastor, it sounds like you're kind of getting out there a little ways. Friends, it, it's real, it's biblical. The Lord said to, to Moses way back in the book of uh, Leviticus, he said, give no regard to mediums or familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. And this was way back in, in Moses' day. He says, I don't want you having anything to do with connecting with and, and interacting and trying to get knowledge from the spirit world. He said, I don't want anything to do with that. And, and that's a big part of our culture yet today. I mean, we're, we're a couple weeks away from this, this holiday, uh, Halloween, and people celebrate it, and a lot of people say it's just little, it's child's play, and it's dressing up. Friends, it's, it's real, though, and there's a spirit world. And when we look at our culture, there's, there's the occult. There's psychics. There's psychic hotlines. There's, there's fortune tellers. People are studying telepathy. There's, there's clairvoyance. There's, there's so many things that aren't just out there, but they're real. And people are connecting and they're trying to get knowledge into what's going on in the, in the spirit world. Um, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 29, in verse 29, this is right before the children of Israel went into the promised land. They're, they're ready to cross the Jordan River, head into the fullness of what God had promised. And, and he said to the, and this is what the Lord says, the Lord says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. So friends, there are certain things that, are, that God knows that we don't. Right? I think that's a, pretty, that's a given, right? That God knows more than we do. But this passage of Scripture says that there are secret things that God wants to keep secret. There's things known in the spirit realm that, that spirit beings are aware of. And the Lord is saying, you know what, if God wants to reveal a secret thing, it's going to be from him. It's not a revelation from other spirit beings. Are you following me on that? There, there's things that the spirit world knows, and God says some of them are meant to be secret. And God will reveal them. We don't need, we don't need Satanists or other people who have, have been involved with this to be our tutors, to be our teachers. God says, I will reveal to you what I want you to know. Amen? And so there's, these are certain things. These are another form of knowledge. We have our natural human knowledge. We have knowledge that can come from, the, from the, the powers of darkness and the unseen world. But there's also knowledge from the Holy Spirit. And that's where we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning. Because, you see, when a person places their faith in Jesus Christ, when they realize what Jesus has done for us, how God has demonstrated his love for us while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that he made a way when Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. 
And when we bow our knees to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Word of God says a miracle takes place. We become born again. Born again. Jesus used that phrase. And that phrase was simply a description of the Holy Spirit coming and taking up residence within us. Okay, so that makes us born again. Our spirits come alive when we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, we are enabled to receive spiritual knowledge and, and understanding. Until one is born again, they cannot receive the knowledge of God. And this is biblical. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in his first letter to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul writes, starting with verse 9, But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So, so he's saying there's things that, have, that we haven't seen, there's things that we haven't heard, and there's thoughts that we have never had in our hearts that God has for us. God has so much more for us, and we haven't even comprehended them. They haven't been across our radar screens. We're un they're unattainable through natural human knowledge. But he goes on to say, but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. So these secret things of God, God has revealed to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So what does that mean? Only man knows the things of the spirit of the man. In other words, you don't know what's going on deep in the thoughts of the person sitting next to you or behind you. You don't know. They know, but you don't. Right? Are we, are we on the same page? You don't know exactly the depths of the thoughts that are in the person or the people sitting around you. But God does. And, and in the same way, God has thoughts, God has ways. And how are we supposed to know what God is thinking? Except the Spirit of God who lives in us. Are you following? Okay, so we've got this connection where now we can, we can reach into and we can understand, we can have knowledge of the ways of God and what He's thinking. And it says, it goes on to say in verse 12, now we have received... Now, he's writing to, to Christians. He's writing to the, the followers of Christ in the city of Corinth. He said, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know, that we might know the things which have been freely given us by God. That's a whole sermon right there in itself. The, the Holy Spirit is within us so that we can know what God has freely given us. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, in other words, the natural man would be like a carnal Christian, someone who has like said the sinner's prayer and that's it. So like there's no spiritual growth. Or the natural man can be just a person who has never really committed their life to Christ. They're existing, but they're not living. The Spirit of God is not actively engaged in their life. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So the Spirit of God within us 
is the only means where we can have an understanding and knowledge of the, way, of the ways of God. As we surrender to the Holy Spirit, we gain knowledge of God and his ways. A hardness to the Holy Spirit, on the other hand, and friends, I have to say this, and maybe you're going to say, well, yeah, I know that. There's a lot of Christians who are hardened to the Holy Spirit. They think like he's, the, like he's the wild one of the Godhead. He's going to make you do some crazy things. And, and those people who talk about the Holy Spirit, you want to watch out for them. The Holy Spirit is God. Think about how goofy that sounds. Watch out for those who, who talk too much about God. That's what they're saying. But you see, that's where the enemy comes in. He wants us to think that there's something weird or spooky about what the Holy Spirit wants. So, so we have to understand here that the hardness to the Holy Spirit is what keeps many Christians stagnant. And friends, this is nothing new here on the earth. The people of Israel, they once had a front row seat in watching what God was going to do in their midst. They were understanding the, the glory of God, the goodness of God, the provisions of God, the power of God. They went through the Red Sea. They went out into the wilderness. God provided. They're going into the promised land. They're seeing walls come down. They're seeing, they're seeing God do a mighty work right in front of them. And friends, God is still inviting us to go on a field trip every day with Him. Amen? Every day. And so, so these folks of Israel, they, they end up coming complacent over time. And they began to come stagnant and, and they got caught up in worldly distractions. As, as a nation, they slowly faded into the ways of their pagan neighbors. And God in his, in, in his mercy, he says through the prophet Hosea, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He said they're, they're being destroyed for lack of knowledge. And friends, that is a timeless truth from God's Word. It wasn't specific just for the people of Israel in that day and age. That is a timeless truth. You see, there's passages of Scripture that pertain to the recipient and a certain people group. And there's other passages of Scripture that apply to all people of all times. Friends, this is a timeless truth. Many proclaiming Christians today are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Are, are, we, are you hearing me? You see, we have to gain this knowledge. And I'm not talking human knowledge, but knowledge of God. Friends, think about it. How many people are going into church week after week, in and out, in and out, and in and out, and they're living with unnecessary heartache. They're living with unnecessary destruction, unnecessary frustration and confusion. Imagine, imagine somebody who says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, yet they're absolutely convinced that God's love for them is conditional. The more, I, the more I'm, I'm a good person, God loves me more. And when I think bad thoughts or when I do something, then, that, then God is distant and he doesn't love me the same. Can you imagine, friends, there's many people going through life thinking that God's love for me is contingent on my behavior and on my actions. And friends, that is living life in bondage. That is, is living life in destruction for lack of knowledge. Because God's Word says that He is an unconditionally loving God. I think of the people who, who are believing that their past has disqualified them from serving God. And maybe you're sitting in here thinking, you know what, if, if you knew my past, I, I would be totally disqualified from what, doing anything that God would want. And friends, if we believe that we are deceived for lack of knowledge, for lack of knowledge, friends, thinking that God is punishing you for all the times that you've sinned. 
and you think that, you know, when there's heartache coming or when bad luck hits you or, or whatever we call that, and we say, you know what, God must be bad. I mean, He's getting me back. He's punishing me. Friends, that is, that is being destroyed with guilt and shame for lack of knowledge. That is not consistent with God or who He is. Or feeling like, you know what, I just got my, my walk with God is kind of a burden. And maybe you feel like coming to church is an obligation. Or I need to read my Bible. Or I'm supposed to pray. And I'm supposed to do these things. And, and friends, if you feel like your walk with God is a, is a burden and you feel burned out and you feel like you just need to try harder, friends, it's not supposed to be that way. It's for lack of knowledge that we have those mindsets. God wants us to be, he wants us to be free. To be totally free. I think of what, what Paul wrote to first T- uh, Timothy in his first letter. He said in First Timothy chapter 2, For God desires all men to be saved. How many have ever heard that verse? How many know there's a second half to that verse? Yeah, God, wants, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Some people say, there, I'm saved. I'm, I'm officially in. I'm, I'm in right standing with God. It's like saying, I'm married, therefore I've got a great marriage. No, it doesn't work that way. You can be married and have a lousy marriage. You see, when you get married, it's just the beginning of an adventure. It's not the end. Shouldn't be. It's like, there, I'm finally arrived. No, it's the beginning of a journey and an adventure, right? And everybody's saying amen, right? Um, He desires us to be saved and He desires us to come to the knowledge of the truth. And the truth is what makes us free. It's pretty simple, isn't it? He wants us to come to the knowledge. And you see, friends, the Holy Spirit is the one that brings spiritual knowledge to our hearts and to our minds. He's the one who does this. The knowledge of God and His goodness and His rest. The knowledge of God and and His grace in His mercy and His love. The, the, the knowledge of, of God's Word and His ways and His eternal purpose. An awareness of spiritual realities and truth. You see, when Hosea got word from the Lord uh, about, the, about the people, that the people of Israel were feeding their own demise, listen to what Hosea said. He proclaims to the nation of Israel. He says in, in Hosea chapter 6 and verse 3, he says, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. He said, His going forth, the Lord's going forth, is is established as the morning. In other words, He's there. He's going to be consistent. He will, speaking of God, He will come to us like, like the rain, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. Hosea is crying out to the people and he's saying, let's be intentional about our pursuit of the knowledge of God. He's got so much waiting for us and and, and let's be intentional and press into God's faithfulness. You see, Hosea understood that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He's like, "Let's, let's get out of this slump and pursue the knowledge of God. And friends, how does that happen? How does that happen? How do we pursue the knowledge of the Lord? Friends, it's by submitting to the person of the Holy Spirit. We can't grow in our knowledge of God by just studying the Word. We can't. The Word has to come alive. And who's going to bring the Word alive 
to life in our hearts and in our minds? It's the Holy Spirit. That, that, that's his role. You see, the answers to the questions we have about God and his ways are revealed to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking back to your life and your life is just filled with question marks. Why did this have to happen? Why did that happen? Why did this? Why did that? And God, I, I don't understand. And, and you know, I'm not saying that God's going to just reveal everything, but it, he reveals through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants us to know the peace of God. He wants us to know the power of God, the authority of God. He wants, he wants us to know what it means to be a joint heir with Christ. The Holy Spirit wants us to, to know what it means to be one with Christ. And friends, if we get this, if this becomes a passion of ours, a pursuit of ours, friends, everything else will, will just pale in comparison. You see, nothing compares to getting a greater understanding of how awesome our King is. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote from a, a prison cell. In Philippians chapter 3, now, this man had it all in his younger days. He had pursuit, he had power, he had prestige, he had, he had the, the, the knowledge of, of human knowledge, he had a study, he knew the book of God, he knew the word, he was a Pharisee, he was, he was really in, entrenched in religion, but he didn't have the Spirit of God. And everything changed for him, and, and we read of this in Acts chapter 9, he had an aha moment, he had a transformation, he had an encounter with the Lord, and he looks back at his life, and, and he says in, in Philippians 3.8, he says, Yet, indeed, I also count all things loss. Everything that he had, it's loss, he said, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He said, I don't care, I'm going to write it all off, but I have the knowledge, I understand my Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he goes on to say, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Read the, of the life of Paul. I mean, he was beat up and he was mocked and he went through hardships like none of us would probably ever need to. And, and he says, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. He said, I'm looking beyond that, that I may gain Christ. He was, he was, he was so impassioned with his Walk with the Lord. Listen to what it says in the Amplified Bible, the same, the ver, a different version of that same passage. Philippians 3.8, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. For his sake I have lost everything, and I consider it all garbage, so that I may gain Christ. How does a person get that type of a hunger? I mean, friends, that's what this conference is going to be about. Are we satisfied with, with eating just a, a portion here and there, or are we saying, no, I need to know more? I want to know this person more. I want to go beyond. And this is what the Apostle Paul was saying. So how do we get such a, a hunger to know God and his ways? It's through submission to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will, will open our eyes. And you know, there's also times where the Holy Spirit gives us a specific word of knowledge. A specific word of knowledge. This is a little bit different. The Holy Spirit reveals present or past facts that would not be known to the five senses. 
Okay, so it's, it's, it's like hidden information. You see, the Holy Spirit is not limited to revealing to us the secret things of God. We, we just talked about this, right? The Holy Spirit can reveal things of, of the heart of God. But the Holy Spirit can also reveal to us the things that are going on in the hearts and lives of other people. How many of y'all ever heard of that before? How many does that scare just a little bit? Thinking that, that God knows the depths of every one of our hearts. And he knows all of the life experiences we have gone through. And he can reveal it to another person. He can do that. He, 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 he does that. Without knowing, without having other, any other source of information, God can reveal it to us about other people. We see examples of this, of the Holy Spirit giving Jesus insights into the hearts of other men and women. And some people might say, well, he was God. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. It says in, 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 in um, John's Gospel, he, he met Nathaniel, and he says, Nathaniel, I saw you were, while you were under the fig tree a little while ago. And Nathaniel's like, whoa, how did you know that? We read in Mark's Gospel and other Gospels where, where Jesus was reading the thoughts of the Pharisees. He says, I know what you guys are thinking in your hearts. Did you hear that because he was God or because the Holy Spirit was revealing? See, the Holy Spirit reveals. What about John chapter 4? And Jesus is having this conversation with a woman at a well, right? And Jesus says, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have, I'm not married. And what does Jesus say? He says, you're right. You're not married. In fact, you've been married five times, and now you're living with a guy that's not your, your husband. And she's like, whoa, how did you know that? Because the Holy Spirit can reveal, and he does. He reveals the secrets. How does he do that? How does he reveal insights into people's lives? Well, he can do it in different ways. He can give us like a little picture in our mind of something. He can give us a feeling, a sense in, in our bodies. He can, he can speak to us like, like, a, like a neck. Like right now, I believe that God is saying that somebody's got some neck pain right here. Somebody got neck pain right now? Okay. In the name of Jesus, that neck pain needs to go right now in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over that neck and all the muscles that would be uh, causing pain, any nerve endings right now, we just say be loosed in Jesus' name. There were others, I think, that raised their hand. That neck pain needs to go in Jesus' name. And I believe the Lord is saying somebody's not sleeping well. Somebody's really been struggling with getting a good night's sleep. Anybody want to say that's me? Whoa. Wow, maybe we should all just lay hands on, on each other. <laughs> Let's just shut our eyes and hold up our hands. Spirit of God, you reveal things for a reason. And we ask right now by your grace that you would give rest, that you would give sleep to everyone who raised their hand. You see what's keeping people awake at night? You don't reveal just to say, there, I showed you something. There's a reason. So we receive that rest right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why does God reveal things? 
Why does he reveal? It could build our faith. Imagine going up to a stranger that you never met and say, your name is Johnny, right? Yes, how'd you know my name is Johnny? And you're dealing with such and such an issue, aren't you? Nobody knows about that issue. How did you know that? Because God revealed it to me and God loves you and he has seen you struggle with your issue. And not only does he see your issue, but he loves you and he cares about your issue and he wants to, he wants to wrap his loving arms around you and minister to you. Do you think Johnny's a little bit more open to saying, okay, wow, if God sees all that and he's telling you that, I'm a little bit more receptive to the God you want to tell me about rather than saying, here, you need to repent or you're going to hell. What do you think is more effective? You think? You see, God gives, God gives us words of knowledge. Words of knowledge can get to the root of a symptom. And I know we've experienced this many times right here, every uh, weekly. We have a Tuesday night prayer meeting. This place should be absolutely packed with, because the presence of God is so tangible and people are getting touched. The most loving thing you can do is invite him to a service. And, and we've seen people come forward for prayer, and they said, I've been prayed for for dozens and dozens of times for this situation, something going on in their physical body. And the Lord will give a word of knowledge. You got bitterness in your heart towards your dad? Yeah. How did you know that? Because God revealed it. Get rid of that bitterness. You've got to forgive your dad. Hey, Lord, I forgive my dad. Boom, just like that, they're physically healed. After being prayed for how many times? And the Lord can bring revelation by the Holy Spirit that says, here's the root. Get rid of that root, and the symptom's going to be gone. How cool is that? You see, I was sharing with, uh, uh, with Dakota a little earlier before the service. Anybody who thinks walking with God is boring, you don't know the God of the Word. You don't know the God of the Bible. You don't know the living God. When, I, when we say it's a field trip every day with the Holy Spirit, I mean, how cool is that? That is not boring. The Holy Spirit can reveal so much. I, I think of, of, of him being able to expose deception. In Acts chapter 4 and into going into chapter 5, we read of the early church. God was doing a, <clears throat> a powerful work in the midst of the church and, and people were coming to Christ and a great move of the Spirit was happening. And, and whenever there's a great move of the Spirit, generosity starts to arise. And the, and the people were starting to sell things, their assets. They were selling land. They were selling the back 40 and bringing the proceeds and saying, here, I just want to give this to the expansion of the kingdom of God and for those who are in need. Just take it and do what you want with it. And the Word of God says there was a man named Barnabas who did that. And everybody's like, wow, look at what God is doing. And so there was this couple named Ananias and Sapphira, and they said, hey, we want to get in on this too. And the Word of God says they went and sold a chunk of land, and they, and they came and, and they made this, this appearance before the Apostle Peter. And, 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 it's, and it's assumed, it, it's, it's, it's implied that it was in front of other people. And they said, here we go, we sold our land too. But they kept back some of the proceeds. But they, they gave the appearance of, there's a lot of people who want to give the appearance of being spiritual and holy. But they were making a mockery. They were lying. So if they sold it for a hundred grand, they were bringing seventy grand as an example and saying, "Here, we sold our land," giving the, the implication that here's this is what we sold it for. And God spoke to Peter and said, "Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? When you sold that land, you could have done whatever you wanted with the money. Why are you 
why are you coming in here with this, with this, with this facade that you're, you're being obedient? You kept a little bit back for yourself. And bam, he falls down dead. They take him out and bury him. And then a little bit later, his wife comes in. Her too, bam, dead. You lied to God. You lied to the Holy Spirit. How's that for a church service, right? How was church today? Well, uh, it was awesome. People got saved, healed, and two people died. Right on the spot. But think of that. What would happen if God would expose deception in here? He would never do that, right? Would he? You see, the results of what took place in Acts chapter 5, people falling down dead for being a hypocrite. It says in verse 11 of Acts chapter 5, So great fear came upon all in the church and upon all those who heard these things. And through the hands, but this is where the story shifts, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. So miracles and things happening, people getting healed and miraculous signs, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So there was unity. Hmm. Verse 14, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Okay, so people are getting healed if they're in the shadow of Peter. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Where did all this start? It started with a word of knowledge. And, and, it, and it resulted in many life transformations. The spirit of the fear of the Lord was at work. That awe factor. You see, we're supposed to have an awe of God. Not, not a fear of Him, like we, we, we tremble and we're afraid of Him. And you see, friends, this is what the Holy Spirit does in, in our lives. He, he glorifies Jesus. That's, his, that's his, his role. The Spirit likes to make sure Jesus gets the praise and the adoration for, that He deserves. The day before Jesus was crucified in John chapter 16 and verse 14, Jesus, speaking of the Holy Spirit, said, He will glorify Me. He's going to glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Again, there's a, there's a whole other sermon that could be preached there. He's going to take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit's ministry is revealing Jesus to us. He wants us to realize how awesome Jesus is. The Holy Spirit loves to do that. You see, the Pharisees, the religious elite, they weren't impressed by Jesus. No, they... They sat back and said, we don't like all these people singing to you, Jesus, and crying out. We, we don't like that. You see, they were hardened to the Holy Spirit. When somebody's hardened to the Holy Spirit, songs of praise and worship, it's like, let's, let's just get this done with. If, when somebody's hardened to the Holy Spirit. And, and so this is, the, the Holy Spirit brings revelation. How many of y'all know what the name of the last book of the Bible is? Revelation, not revelations, 
it's really it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation. Listen to what it says in the first in the opening verses of John or Revelation chapter one, starting with verse ten. It, it says, "I was in the spirit." I. Who wrote this? It was John. It was one of the apostles. One of the disciples of Jesus, Peter, James, and John, these three that, that, were, the, that were the closest to Jesus. And, and John was the one who, who saw himself as greatly loved by Jesus. He called himself that. He, he was intimate. He knew the Lord inside and out. And, and of all of the twelve disciples, John was the closest to him. John had a heart that beat like, like the heart of the Lord. He knew him. And so this is who's writing this. He knew him well. And he says, I was in the Spirit. He didn't say something weird was going on. He was familiar with the Spirit. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The the day of the resurrection. The first day of the week. Sunday. It's referred to as the Lord's day. Okay, so here you got this guy who's very familiar with with who Jesus is. He, He walked with him. He he, he laughed with him. They traveled together. They, they did everything together. So he knew him well. And, and it says that on this day, and I, I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And then I turned, John's writing, to see the voice which spoke to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Now listen how he describes him. Clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. So he's getting a glimpse of Jesus in his glorified state. That's what he's getting. Now he knew Jesus as another human being, as a man, but now he's getting... He's getting a, 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 a vision. He's getting a glimpse of Jesus. And it says that his head, he wrote, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And, and he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Wow. Like blew him away. And when he described Jesus, he went into some detail about his clothing and his appearance, that he was wearing a garment of great honor and authority. This is the resurrected Jesus, an eternal high priest. He saw him in his splendor and glory. He saw him with purity. He saw his eyes were penetrating to the core. He saw him standing firm and steadfast, his majestic voice. He's seeing him holding up his church and and the word is sharp and powerful that comes out of his, his mouth and his countenance is brighter than the sun. He is Jesus. That is who he's seeing. He's not seeing the guy who was cooking breakfast on the beach. He's seeing, whoa, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. And John fell at his feet like a dead man. He got a revelation of Jesus as he is. 
And friends, it started when John was in the Spirit. When he was in the Spirit, he got this revelation, and you can read the rest of the book of Revelation. But that's where he got his revelation. His eyes were open to seeing Jesus in a life-changing way. So I believe the Lord is asking the church yet today, do we want to see him in a life-changing way? Are we satisfied with reading about him and, and, and singing about the baby in the manger and, and picturing him on a cross? Or do we say, Jesus, whew, I want to see you as you are. I don't want to worship uh, flesh and blood. I want to stand in awe of who you are. And that, friends, that comes through knowing the Holy Spirit. We see when, when, when John did this, it said he fell down at his feet as dead. And what did the Lord do? He reached out and he touched him. He put his right hand on, on John and said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. You see, friends, as awesome as Jesus is, as magnificent as he is, he's approachable. And he reaches down and he touches us. And he said, you don't have to be afraid of anything. I got my hand on you. I care about you. I care about the details of your life. I care about the things that are troubling you. I care about, about everything, about our every need. He wants us to know these things about him and his goodness. Father, we, we humble ourselves before you. We thank you for this divine plan of, of you revealing yourself to us through the Son by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us a fresh infilling right now. Right now that we can glorify Jesus. Lord Jesus, we know that you don't want us to be satisfied with, with, with stories out of, out of a book. We don't, you don't want us to worship the Bible. You want us to, to be drawn to you from Genesis to Revelation. It's the great invite to a relationship with you. What a plan that you would create us out of your love to do life with us because you want to. You want to redeem us by the blood of your Son. You want us to walk in wholeness, body, soul, spirit. You want us to be holy, set apart for you, doing life with you for now into eternity. So we believe that. We receive that. We receive that. Lord, give us that hunger. Give us that hunger. Give us that desire to know you more. Fill us afresh and anew. Transform us. Change us. 
to be the people you created us to be. We ask these things, Father, through the precious name of Jesus. Precious name of Jesus.